panelist, that is me. And I have the dubious distinction of introducing myself. So I will. <laughs> I, uh, I have degrees in economics and sociology from the infamously leftist Delhi University. But I, and then I joined the Indian Revenue Service. I became a civil servant, the famous income tax department. But then that was not my life. That was not my passion. So I left it to follow my passion, which is ancient India, history, Sanskrit, Prakrit, and the epics. So I write, I lecture, I talk, and I have now also set up a production house, which produces, which is producing the first web series on uh, modern India, which is my specialization, because I write also a fictional, a historical fiction series called Urnabi. So modern India, modern Lok is my first web series. I hope to come up with more. And in my historical series, I try to bring together all these strands. So it's a gendered view of ancient India. Now, all of you have heard these wonderful women talking about the way they thought about feminism, the way they work with feminism. So what do I want to do now? What is left? What remains? What remains is a theoretical structure. It is the critique of the theoretical structure that exists at the moment. And it is the exposition of a new critical structure. We have to put together a framework. Otherwise, we are only too susceptible, as so many of you have pointed out, to digestion and cultural appropriation. It is happening on other Indic platforms. Look at yoga, look at the examples that Neha gave. So unless and until we posit our own theoretical structure after shredding into pieces the current Marxist feminist structure that exists, we will not be successful in grabbing the narrative and keeping it to ourselves and then using it the way it was meant to be used for the benefit of our own Indic society. So I'm going to look at it in two ways. The first will be a critique of the current Marxist feminist academic way of looking at things. And the second will be, will be the positing of an Indic framework based on the Varnashram Dharma and the four Purusharths. So why is it that the current Marxist feminist framework is not acceptable to people like you, me, Neha, Deepa, Suhag, all of us. Why is it not acceptable to us? We don't have some kind of inbuilt hatred or bias. We do not like it because it is not representative of our practices. It does not understand them. It misrepresents them. It has created a whole edifice out of nothing. So I will uh, point out the methodological and evidentiary problems in the Marxist feminist uh, way of looking at things. You see, Feminism was, as we have discussed, born in the crucible of the Christian religion, and it was anti-Protestant uh, church and anti-Catholic church, and it has never ever been able to shake off its anti-religious, specific to Christianity roots. But uh, there is absolutely no reason why we should accept that, because for us, religion empowers us, religion frees us, religion makes us powerful women. So. At the outset, there is this very big difference between the Marxist feminist way of looking at things and our way of looking at things. But unfortunately, there is a kind of automatic universalization of European ideas. We live in a Eurocentric world and it is a concomitant of that. And we Indians have swallowed this story whole. So ideas born of the ferment of the Industrial Revolution, the shift from pastoral agricultural life to an urban factory-based life have been grafted onto our systems and 
a specific historical geographical uh, theory has been made to seem as if it is universal across time and across cultures no it is not absolutely not look at an example the way race relations work out in the us between whites and blacks has been grafted onto the varnjati system the brahmins are the whites the other castes are the blacks and there you have the brahminical patriarchal system of uh, uh, looking at society which has been which is the bane of women and which must be overthrown so let us see how this works how has the methodology worked what did the marxist feminists do the first thing that they did was that they picked up a few concepts brahminical patriarchal these do not belong to anywhere from our scriptures or anywhere from anything that any of our ancestors have written about these are very much colonial white western terms this is the gaze of the other looking at us so they just picked up these concepts without defining them without putting them in place and they imported it and said that these are what worked in ancient indian society and therefore in modern society so this import of concepts and theories which neha has also spoken about is a very big methodological issue with marxist feminist theorizing because things which belong to a different reality are just posited as true for our own reality and that's it another and uh, a very interesting methodological problem is that marxist feminists do not wish to study status the status of women is something that they gloss over if you look at the doyen of marxist feminist uma chakravarti look read her papers she glosses over the concept of status which otherwise marxists are very very uh, find very important why because the sources from which status flowed in ancient india education power both political as well as social economic power the power to do rituals all these belonged to women and women had status according to the way they excelled in all these different areas so if they had followed the question of status to its logical conclusion they would not have been able to say that this is brahminical patriarchy backward regressive dangerous it needs to be thrown out so these were the methodological issues what about the evidentiary issues evidence is heavily text based and those texts are mostly sanskrit and these wonderful women or men who write on these issues do not know any sanskrit so what do they depend on they depend on the translations of many dead white men who have come and gone and these the things written by these dead white men have become the gold standard for our marxist feminists in hindi you know i want to say it's my it's my mother tongue kaash kaash unhone padha hota kaash unhone sanskrit jana hota if only they had read our own indic languages sanskrit tamil pali all these ancient languages and then some of the other languages you know telugu kannad assamese read what is written in these and then try and give textual examples but no they rely only on translations they often rely on a very very uh, clever sleight of hand so they will refer to an 18th century text and then pretend that it was written at the time of the rigveda and who is going to check so nobody knows nobody reads sanskrit but hopefully that is changing so people like us do know and do read and we are going to we counter them and we counter their textual examples at every step because now 
there is an awareness we are so many of us learning sanskrit we are so many of us reading them in the original so the thin pieces of evidence are extrapolated from the past to the present the past was bad we told you so we told you it was brahmical patriarchal there you go and modern life and modern life in india is based on that so it's equally bad so you see that it's a kind of truthiness everyone knows it's true everyone knows that ancient india was patriarchal i mean what's there to discuss the thing is that none of these things have been established in any clear academic or theoretical manner they cannot be established through practical examples you have seen all the panelists talking of these practical examples things as they are in the grassroots not only in the past but you know lived examples like suhag was talking about her family and i can talk about my family i was saved from being uh, evangelized by a very strong mother and a very strong grandmother i am a convented produce so if i am not sitting here and talking to you of marxist feminism it's because of the women in my family so all of us know that the real life that we lead the real things that belong to our past are not as they have been portrayed to us but make no mistake we have to put it down in very clear terms we have to argue it point by point and we have to make everything clear point by point as to why we reject these theories now to the second part we must posit a theory of our own we cannot just say no 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 we are not so profound that neti neti will do we have to posit something that we can use in our own way so what is that i have thought about the varn ashram system and the four purushas the varn ashram system for the practical aspect varn and jati we have heard the name of s bal gangadhar we have heard the name of bagchi and adluri they have done a lot of critiquing of the way the varn jati system became the caste system this is not the subject of this seminar but indic academy has done many seminars on it so let us take varn and jati system to mean the occupational network let us take the ashram system to mean not the four chronological steps of brahmacharya or studentship grihasti vanprast and uh, sanyas but four choices four ways in which we can conceptualize our lives and the choices that women and men make and these choices are available today to women and they were available in the past to women so many of you have spoken about the brahmavadinis you have spoken about the grihasts you have spoken about the ascetics so this means that there was a choice available gautam rishi calls it vikalp kautilya another important lawgiver in his arthashastra gives a description of these four as four optional ways of leading your life then we have the four purusharths which is aspirations goals what do we want from life self realization dharm arth kaam moksha so what we have to do is look at indic feminism which provides solutions for current problems so many of these problems have been mentioned by people who work at the grassroots we have we don't have any uh, uh, i mean we can identify the problems very well everyone can identify the problems what about solutions do we want solutions to be given in that aggressive and as uh, preeti had said you know the rights based entitlement based kind of framework or uh do we want a solution in the indian family community and a duty based system what do we want and how are we going to do this so that the solutions that we find are those that bring our indian societies communities together and not tear them further apart as the kind of toxic feminism that we see around is trying to do 
So this is an uh, introduction to the kind of work I try to do uh, in the area of feminism. And uh, our focus, yes, did somebody say something? Okay, so our focus today, however, is on something very, very practical. So what is the modern use of all the work that we are doing? How can we relate it to actual problems? How are we going to actually come up with a contemporary paradigm for Indic feminism, which will be of some use to all of us, to women, men, and societies? 